0: chapter twenty four of the lonely warrior by claude c washburn this librivox recording is in the public domain in november a strike of the street railway employees broke out the company which had applied for and obtained a seven-cent fare six months earlier had now asked for the right to raise it to ten cents the city council refused whereupon the company alleging its inability to carry on at even a modest profit under the existing costs, declared a 20% cut in wages, and the employees struck. The clash was fierce, and there was much violence. The company imported strikebreakers from Chicago. They were mobbed, there were deaths, the militia was called out, and a few empty cars with shattered windows ran occasionally up and down the city streets. Stacy was not particularly interested, having other things to think about. He barely glanced at the news headlines, and smiled ironically as he did so, knowing that Colin Jeffries, who had a controlling interest in the stock of the street railway company, also virtually owned the evening Republican paper, and was engaged in many business enterprises with the owner of the morning Democratic paper. As for the editorials, he would no more have read them than he would have read the latest novel by Harold Bell Wright. But sometimes his father read them aloud at table in a tone of fierce assent, and thus Stacy learned that they were all about one hundred per cent Americanism and the duty of labor to yield something just as capital was yielding something. However, one afternoon Edwards, whom Stacy had not seen for a week, suddenly entered the office hello cried stacy cordially come in where have you been then broke off at sight of the other's appearance edwards was unshaven and rather dirty and his eyes glowed darkly in his tense face he shut the door behind him then sat down opposite stacy at the desk i want to talk to you carol he said it's about the strike all right said stacy I hardly know anything about it. Haven't followed it. Edward's eyes suddenly blazed. No, he cried. Of course not. What's it all matter to you? You're all right. You're not your brother's keeper. It... Now look here, said Stacy firmly but pleasantly enough. Cut out the class business, will you? You know that's not the way you feel about me, or you wouldn't be coming here to see me. I haven't a doubt but that the men are right in this strike... "'But the reason I've kept off the subject as much as possible "'is because I don't see what in the world I can do about it, "'and I don't know anything worse than futile sentimental sympathy.' "'I apologize, Carol,' Edwards returned moodily. "'I didn't mean that, of course, "'and I'd probably better apologize in advance "'for anything else I may break loose and say. "'I haven't had much sleep lately.' "'That's all right,' Stacy replied. "'Go as far as you like.' Carol, said Edwards painfully, we're beaten. I mean, on every big thing. There isn't going to be any change in the rotten system, not for now. There isn't going to be any revolution. There isn't going to be a beginning of socialism, all men sharing tasks, each according to his capacity. There's just going to be the same tyranny there's always been, the same exploitation of a lot of men by a few. I tell you, I'm broken-hearted. He paused, his face set. You must be, said Stacy, if you hoped for that. Oh, I did, and I didn't. I thought maybe, but now this strike, he went on sharply, six months ago there'd have been a general strike in sympathy. Every workman in the city would have downed tools. Not now. We're beaten, I tell you. There are thousands of unemployed. Winter's here. Coal costs what you know. The men don't dare. Beaten. You've heard what one of the big employers said openly that pretty soon the men would be eating out of their hands. And here am I fighting for this puny little thing that men be doled out enough to exist on. And fighting in vain. Stacy looked at him with silent sympathy. Here said Edwards tearing papers from his pocket. Here are the figures here's what it costs a family of three to live—government statistics. Here's what the men were getting. Here's what they're to get now, if they yield.' He pushed the papers across the table. Stacy fingered them, but kept his eyes on his friend. "'I know,' he said. "'I can imagine without studying them. What do you want me to do?' "'I don't know,' said Edwards nervously. "'I'd thought of two or three things—' "'If you were to print the facts, just the facts, "'with your name signed to them in one of the papers...' "'Stacy smiled bitterly. "'Fat chance. How much of a power in this town do you think I am? "'Don't you know that Colin Jeffries, who owns the street railway, "'controls the papers?' "'Yes, I know that. Damn him!' Edwards burst out. "'He's everywhere. You can't get out from under his shadow.' And even if I could get such an article printed, what would it accomplish? When did the public ever budge? Inert massive sheep. And all the time the papers harping on the idea that the street railway company can't pay its stockholders even a nominal interest on their investment under current conditions. "'Well,' Edwards fairly shouted, "'and if they can't, do you know anything about that company?' "'I do. I've looked into it with a lawyer.' way overcapitalized. Three millions of water, Carol, three cool millions into private pockets. So men must starve, must they, to pay interest on that stock? Stacy's face was grim. No, he said shortly. I hadn't looked into it, but it doesn't surprise me. I'll tell you what I could do, he said, hesitatingly after a moment. I, uh, the only available income I have, is what I make here at the office. I could turn over, say, two hundred and fifty dollars a month of it to the union. And I might. That is, I don't know what my sister does with her income. Gives most of it away, I fancy. But I dare say she'd put in as much more. Edward stared. Say, he said shakily, that's decent. I thought you had. Well, it's none of my business. But it wouldn't be any use, Carol. Not a hundredth part enough. But thanks, oh," said Stacy deprecatingly. Then fell to thinking. "Look here," he remarked finally. "There's only one thing I can think of, and it will have to be you to do rather than I. Also, it's only a faint chance. Now, my father is an honest man, set in his beliefs, but honest, and he's also influential. Colin Jeffreys probably defers as much to him as to any one living." because Father's very likely the only thoroughly honest, disinterested friend Jeffreys has. Father believes in the principles Jeffreys only exploits to make money out of. If you can get him, my father I mean, on your side, he might take the matter up to Jeffreys personally. Edward's face expressed extreme dislike of the suggestion. Can't say I care much for the idea, like begging for what you've a right to. "'I didn't suppose you would, but I estimate that what you're out for "'is to save a living wage for these men, by any means.' "'Yes,' Edwards muttered, "'I'd do anything. "'But how on earth could I swing your father into line?' "'Well,' said Stacy slowly, "'come over to the house this evening at 8.15, just when dinner's over, "'and talk to him, always about the personal side, the facts of it. "'Show him the figures.' and keep away from all discussion of principles appeal to his sense of fair play to get him to go down with you to-morrow morning and see the men themselves edwards reflected all right he said sullenly and rose mind now stacy called after him no principles stacy made himself very agreeable at dinner that evening he was keyed up by anticipation His eyes glowed, and he looked younger. There was an added warmth in the harmony that had been lately achieved in the carroll house. But Stacy saw Catherine glance at him wonderingly. It wasn't possible to hide feelings from Catherine. He caught her alone for a moment on the way to the library. "'Now listen,' he said. "'You stick by me. Don't budge from the library, and support me in every way you can.' Her dark eyes were curious but her lips curved faintly into a smile, perhaps at his tone of command, that was so unlike his customary tone with her. He would explain nothing, however, only marched her on down the hall, and a very few minutes later Parker came in to say that a Mr. Edwards had called. Oh, yes, Stacy exclaimed. He's a friend of mine. Bring him in, Parker. Or, no, I'll go get him myself. And he went out take it easy now and no principles he growled to edwards as he piloted him in father stacy remarked this is my friend edwards was commander of the legion post you know mrs blair mr edwards how do you do sir said mr carroll shaking hands his face had assumed its keen yet non-committal business look mr carroll knew something about edwards of course and disapproved of what he knew but he was a courteous gentleman in his own house such a man as mr latimer artistically conscious of every attitude could not have expressed the situation more nicely i wanted to say a few words to you sir about this strike edwards began sitting down awkwardly in the chair toward which stacy had impelled him mr carroll did not apply at once he gnawed at his moustache his eyes grew harder and he shot one swift angry glance at Stacy. Up to now, Stacy had been rather pleased with himself. He thought he had engineered things well. It suddenly struck him that instead he had made a mess of them. His father was angry with him and therefore more hostile to Edwards. And Edwards was nowhere near at his best. He was gauche, heavy. Impressed by his surroundings, it had never occurred to Stacy that he might be, and correspondingly resentful. Oh, Lord! Stacy looked across helplessly at Catherine. She had poured out another cup of coffee, and now handed it to the guest. Will you have sugar, Mr. Edwards? she asked. No, no, thank you, he replied, startled, and took the cup gingerly. He looked as though he would much rather have refused it had he dared. Mr. Carroll turned his eyes back to the young man. "'I have no connection with the street-railway company, Mr. Edwards,' he said deliberately, choosing his words with care. "'On the basis of such information as I have been able to obtain in regard to the strike, my sympathies are with the company. I fail to see why capital should have to make all the sacrifices and labour none but since you, and Stacy wish it, I shall be glad to hear you state the men's side of the case. I should think, however, that some official of the street-railway company would be the proper person to hear it." Edwards, who had flushed, made a quick angry gesture, but this almost upset the fragile cup that he held. So he was forced into restraint. He drank his coffee hastily before replying. "'Well, sir,' he began then, carol i mean stacy thought if i could give you the facts as i did to him you'd maybe see them our way i don't want to talk about principles sir why not edwards glanced wrathfully at stacy because we wouldn't agree about them and there wouldn't be any use in our trying to his hand trembled slightly and the tiny silver spoon rattled against his coffee cup so he rose and limped over to a table to rid himself of the nuisance once for all. Catherine leaned forward. Stacy told me you had been wounded in the war, Mr. Edwards,' she said softly. He looked toward her. "'Yes, ma'am,' he returned. "'At les Eparges, My right leg was rather shot to bits. Stacy drew a breath of relief. He hardly thought Catherine was being deliberately tactful. She had spoken impulsively, but the result was excellent and Edwards, in the tone with which he replied to Catherine, revealed that old-fashioned attitude of deference toward women just as women, which was also Mr. Carroll's attitude. I hope they fixed you up all right, said Mr. Carroll gruffly. Pretty well, thanks. I happened to draw a good surgeon. As for Stacy, he said nothing at all. He had that much sense anyway, he told himself. He'd have to face his father later on. For the present, he wanted to be as nearly forgotten as possible. So he sat still and commented silently on the shifting fortunes of the battle. Have a cigar, Edwards? asked Mr. Carroll, holding out his case. Good. There was a touch of something more personal in this. No, thank you, sir. Oh, confound it. Why didn't he take one? Edwards drew his papers from his pocket. Mr. Carroll, he said, I'm not going to talk to you at all about social theories, or about what sort of stock it is that the street-railway company wants to pay dividends on. Well, damn it, then, don't, said Stacy internally. I only want to show you, in figures, the condition of the employees just as men, what they were getting, what they're going to get if they accept this cut in wages, what it costs a family of three to live today, and he began to read. He did not read aloud very well. He stuttered a little over a word now and then. But there was an intensity in his deep voice that led an odd warmth to the figures about groceries, fuel, wages, and the rest. Mr. Carroll must see that the man was in deadly earnest. When he had finished reading he stretched out the papers. "'Want to see them?' he demanded abruptly. Mr. Carroll shook his head. He was frowning and chewing at the end of his cigar. "'The trouble is,' he began, "'but with less than his usual firmness, "'that you can't separate facts from principles. "'Labor—' "'Oh!' cried Catherine suddenly. "'You must!' Two of the three men started and turned toward her. Stacy had been looking at her already. But Catherine's eyes were fixed now on the guest. "'Do you mean, Mr. Edwards?' she asked, in a voice that revealed both compassion and scorn, that the highest wage of any employee would be only forty cents an hour? Yes, ma'am, said Edwards bitterly, if they accept the cut in wages. And are there many families of three? Most are a good deal more than three, he replied. About twenty percent of the men are unmarried and perhaps bring the average down to three. Catherine's face had an odd expression. Stacy thought she looked like a sorrowful goddess. Before my husband died, she said, we were a family of four. We were living on two hundred and fifty dollars a month, and you thought, Mr Carroll, that we had to live too sordidly. You will do something? He gazed at her kindly, but did not reply at once. Stacy was touched by the mention of Phil the thought of phil was with him almost like a gentle presence very often Catherine spoke of him seldom but when she did so quite simply and naturally as now she must miss him sadly stacy thought and felt grieved for her but since it was his instinct to carry through unswervingly anything he had undertaken he was also exultant as well as faintly amused at his father who was being swept away from principles at every turn, simply not permitted to play with them. "'I can't say I like those statistics,' said Mr. Carroll at last, more to Catherine than to Edwards. Then he turned to the latter. "'But I'd have to know more. I'd have to look into things. And then I don't know what I could do about it. I might do something, I suppose—' "'Confound it, sir!' he exclaimed impatiently. "'Why didn't you take this up with some official of the company?' "'I want you to know more, sir,' Edwards returned eagerly. "'I'd like it if you'd go down with me "'and see some of the strikers man to man and get their story.' "'Mr. Carroll reflected, frowning. "'All right,' he said sharply. "'Come to my office tomorrow morning at nine. "'Catherine's face fairly shone, "'and Mr. Carroll, looking back at her, relaxed his sternness, and leaned over to pat her hand. "'May I go, too?' she asked of them both. "'Yes, ma'am,' said Edwards, getting up. "'I'd like that.' He made his adieu clumsily, with too much formality, and Stacy accompanied him down the hall to the door. "'Well,' Edwards remarked, "'that's something, I suppose, thanks to Mrs. Blair. "'Precious little help you were, though, Carol.' "'Oh, yes.' said stacy cheerfully i messed things up properly but then look at you what the devil do you mean by behaving like a resentful commoner at a court function go on home you sulky snob he added with a laugh and pushed his friend out of the door then he returned to the library His father and Catherine were sitting there in silence, she gazing away with dark, abstracted eyes, he frowning slightly and staring down at a closed magazine on which he tapped nervously with his fingers. He looked up and turned to Catherine as Stacy entered. You a member of this conspiracy, Catherine? he asked quietly. No, Stacy exclaimed promptly. She wasn't. Didn't know a thing about it. It was all my damned foolishness. I see, said Mr. Carroll and Rose. I'll go to bed, I think. Good night. But Stacy set his back against the door. No, sir, he returned. Let's have this out. I'll concede that I was wrong to do this in this way. Now you go ahead and tell me some more things. His father stood there, looking at him keenly, antagonistically, judging him. Mr. Carroll's upper lip was drawn in a little, and there was a harshness about his face. One could see that he had fought hard fights in life, and that he was still an adversary to be reckoned with. "'I am not aware,' he began coldly, "'of being in my dotage yet. "'If anybody wants anything from me, the thing for him to do is to come and ask me for it. "'Then, if I think he ought to have it, he'll get it.' I'll be damned if I'll be cosseted and cajoled into a good humor, so that something can be wormed out of me. Absolutely justified, his father was, Stacy thought helplessly. You're perfectly right, sir, he said, and I apologize. My only excuse for not being frank, and I admit it's not good enough, is that I was so confoundedly anxious for you to hear Edward's story, and was fool enough to think you might refuse if I asked you to point-blank. For just an instant Stacy glanced away to Catherine, and saw with sharp regret that her eyes were full of pain. Why the devil had he let her in for this? Then he looked back at his father. But Mr. Carroll's wrath was not assuaged, and when he spoke again Stacy perceived that a long resentment, dangerously repressed, had burst loose finally. "'You take me for a damned fool,' Mr. Carroll went on angrily. "'I'm a fool, perhaps, but not a damned fool. "'Do you think I can't see how you humor me? "'The nice, kindly, tolerant spirit you show for my foibles, "'your poor dad-he's-growing-old attitude. "'Superior, sir, intolerably superior!' "'This was pretty bad, and all the worse "'for the tiny element of truth it contained. "'Now look here, Dad,' "'Stacy pleaded. That's not so. "'There isn't anybody in the world I respect more than I do you. "'Why—' "'Extraordinary method of showing it you take, then,' snapped his father. "'Respect nothing. At heart, you're a Bolshevist, sir. "'Well, then, if you are, be one. You're not consistent. "'You're a Bolshevist in theory. "'Oh, Lord, I haven't got any theories,' Stacy thought, but did not try to say a millionaire in practice i gave you a tidy fortune you took it didn't you you live here with me in a certain amount of luxury well why do you why don't you go and live in a hut he paused out of breath glaring at his son stacy was pale for this hurt but he was further than before from losing his temper since now the attack was unjust to his amazement and certainly to mr carroll's as well it was Catherine who lost her temper, or almost. "'Mr. Carroll,' she cried, and both men, turning suddenly toward her, saw her standing erect, a slim, firm figure with a face of angry beauty. "'That's unfair and cruel, and not like you. I know that Stacy cares less for money than anyone else in Vernon, and it is a shame that it should have to be I to say so.' HE LIVED FOR FOUR YEARS IN MUD AND HORROR, BECAUSE HE HOPED IT WOULD DO SOME GOOD. IT'S WONDERFUL THAT WHEN HE CAME BACK, AND SEEMED TO FIND THAT IT HADN'T DONE ANY GOOD, HE COULD KEEP HIS SANITY. AND STILL HE'D GO AND LIVE LIKE THAT AGAIN, IF IT WERE OF ANY USE. AND YOU ACCUSE HIM OF LIVING HERE BECAUSE OF THE LUXURIES YOU GIVE HIM. HE LIVES HERE BECAUSE OF HIS AFFECTION FOR YOU, AND BECAUSE OF THE AFFECTION HE THOUGHT YOU HAD FOR HIM. IT'S SHAMEFUL WHAT YOU SAID. She ceased and sat down again, her breath coming fast, her lips quivering. Stacy gazed at her, his heart beating rather quickly. He was overwhelmed with the number of his emotions. He was astounded at the brave, magnificent way she had spoken, proud that it was in his cause, deeply touched, and somehow profoundly sad. As for Mr. Carroll, he looked in a dazed way, from Catherine to his son— there is no excuse for what i said to you son he said at last i don't suppose you can forgive me try to if you are able stacy walked over and shook his hand oh. er shucks dad he muttered it's all right forgotten it was the first time he had ever heard his father apologize to anyone for anything mr carroll gave his son a strange wistful look of gratitude then went over to Catherine. "'Are you going to let me sit down beside you, Catherine?' he asked. "'You're not going to pack up and leave the house just because your host's an old fool?' "'No,' she said, in a strangled voice, giving him her hand, but keeping her face averted, so that neither he nor Stacy could see it. "'I am not altogether an old fool, my dear,' he added, patting her hand, then got up again. "'Er—' A game of Pinochle, Stacy, he suggested. Stacy nodded and moved to get the card table. Sure, I'd like one, but you don't really think you've any chance against me, do you, Dad? He said shakily. End of chapter twenty-four